Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Spatulous Podcast. I'm your host, Evelyn Cook, and each week we will be learning together the not-so-common knowledge things about the kitchen. This podcast is for all aspiring adults who may need a little help creating meals at home that are safe to eat and good enough to share. In each episode, we put recipes aside and share fundamental ideas behind how food works, including cooking techniques that can be applied to anything found in your kitchen to save you embarrassment, time, and money. So guys, I, as always, am very excited about today's episode, but first things first, just a little bit of update about me, what's going on in my world. So I am excited that I am in the process of moving. So um, hopefully by the end of today, everything will be locked in and loaded. But currently I'm based out of, my business is based out of Staten Island, New York. And so I'm moving a borough over and going to be based in Brooklyn, New York. So super excited. The place I'm looking at now that um, is pending my application is actually a block away from where my mom grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, So it's very funny, um, kind of full circle moment. But, um, you know, I'm really excited. So maybe this time next week, I will be a full on Brooklyn resident. Um, The great thing about this new place is that it has a huge, huge, huge closet. Um, Well, it's supposed to be like a walk-in closet, but I'm going to convert that into a mini little sound studio. So that's going to be a place where I can do things like report, record this podcast and not have any background noise or interruptions. And I can do some cool things with there. Um, so I'm excited for the growth and so, for the development of that. So guys, pray for me um, if you do that. But yeah, so into today's episode and today's po- topic. So we are continuing the series about the kitchen basics, meal basics of a capsule kind of diet plan or, or meal prep plan. So if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say a capsule kind of uh, plan, definitely go back to episodes where I kind of break down my approach to the kitchen. Um, it's really how it helped me going from struggling to be able to replicate recipes into being able to confidently create meals repetitively for myself. And um, Um, for other people and not really need to depend on a recipe in particular or need Wi-Fi or any specific ingredient. I could really apply these techniques if we understand the basics of how things work and uh, the fundamentals on how to do things. I can apply that to any meat. I can apply that to any type of pasta or any vegetable that I have in front of me because I understand the fundamentals. So it was a game changer for me. And so I'm giving you guys the tools, all the gems. But like I said, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you want a little bit more background, um, we are already a couple of episodes into the series. So go back about two episodes and you will see us um, when we get started with pasta. That's the first episode in this series here. Um, And definitely go back to the top of the whole show if you want to get more information about uh, food storage and different things. Every episode is chock full of just gems and knowledge that I had to learn the hard way, but you guys are learning the easy way with me by your side and in your ear. Um, So again, today we are continuing this series and we are finally getting into some more nutritious items. So we're going to focus on vegetables, but really we're going to be roasting today. And roasting can be applied not just to vegetables, but to really um, 
anything you want to make. So um, roasting can also be applied to starches. Like it can be applied to potatoes. It can be applied to um, certain meats. So it's a great technique that if you get it down, you will be able to use it in so many different ways. And it'll make your meal both filling and beautiful and delicious. I love a roasted vegetable. Um, it tastes so good and um, it goes a long way and it's a crowd pleaser for sure. Um, but like I said, I'm going to focus on vegetables. I'm going to focus on small items um, for the most part and um, we'll break down everything. But what you'll need today um, to get started to be able to successfully roast some vegetables or some items is uh, an oven, of course, um, a baking tray, parchment paper, oil, salt, pepper, and then any seasonings that you like. So again, that's, you'll need an oven, you'll need a baking tray, you'll need parchment paper, you'll need oil, and then your seasonings, including salt and pepper. Um, so again, so just talk about that baking tray that you'll need. So you can bake, um, or you can, uh, roast on relatively any type of baking tray that it's oven safe um, or even in like a cast iron skillet um, that is oven safe to put in the oven. Um, but what you want to be careful with is uh, your oils and your fat content. So if you are cooking something or roasting something um, in the oven that is high in fat or has a lot of just different things being added to it, you want to be careful um, to get uh, something that is at least an inch deep of a tray, a baking tray, um, because the oil and the fats and everything, that'll start to melt and it'll start to run off of the food. And what you don't want is that oil, hot oil in the oven to ever spill on you. I've been there. I have the scars to prove it. And you don't want that to be you guys. So definitely be careful. Um, if you're cooking something very large, definitely um, you want a really deep pan. But for most things that you're going to roast, especially the things that we're talking about today, when it's chopped, cut up, cubed uh, vegetables or potatoes, um, something that's like an inch, half an inch deep is okay. Um, so next we want to talk about the paper. So I mentioned at the top of the episode or a couple of minutes ago, we want parchment paper, um, but there's a lot of different papers. So I did want to take a moment just to kind of break down all the different papers you might see in the store. So number one, saran wrap is not in this conversation. Do not cook on saran wrap or anything that is like a plastic item. Those are only supposed to be for uh, storage, for covering things uh, that are cooled, um, no heat at all on those type of things. So we're talking about papers and mats right now. So um, parchment paper is the kind of preferred item to roast on. Uh, what parchment paper is, is paper coated in silicone. And silicone itself is heat resistant and it makes it non-stick. So ideal for something like this, where we don't want our potatoes because they're so small and because we want to keep the kind of uh, charred kind of uh, browned edges on it and not ripped off uh, and stuck to the paper. Um, we want to use parchment. Um, and we also, because we're cooking it in the oven, we want to be able to have something that can take the high heat. Also in the same aisle next to parchment paper, you'll or you might even have it in your kitchen, is wax paper. Uh, but I do not at all recommend ever roasting or baking anything on wax paper. So wax paper, you guessed it, is coated in wax. And wax 
when put in the oven will melt. So you don't want that melted wax to ever end up in your food. Um, wax paper is really good for something that's not going to take any heat. It's good to cover your counter, to have an easy surface to clean. Um, you can even use it to kind of wrap your food that you're going to store in the refrigerator, wrap your meats if you're going to freeze it and take it to go. And while I'm on the subject, there is something called freezer paper, which for meats that you're planning on storing in the freezer for a long longer than a month, um, you can even use that to better wrap your meats to prevent freezer burn for a long time. And freezer paper is um, coated with additional substances that are even better than the wax coating that just continue to protect it. Um, now, another item, this is what I grew up on, foil. Foil is something that my mom only really used. And foil is a thin aluminum, but the thing is, like I'm it has no uh, non-stick properties just on its own by itself. Foil, if you've ever used it before, you'll realize that things do have a tendency to stick directly to the foil. And, uh, you know, like I said, my mom's, you know, that's all I knew growing up and it was always in the house. So it's okay to use it for the roasting purposes, but just know that it does run the risk of things sticking to it. But again, it'll still create something that's good. But if you are at the store and do have the option and the time to get parchment paper, I would recommend keeping that. Um, also, uh, research um, has found that small amounts of aluminum may actually leach into your food during the cooking process. So for that reason, it's probably not the best to continue to cook with aluminum foil, but old habits do die hard. So I totally understand it if you're just going to keep on cooking on foil or uh, using that. But again, I would definitely highly recommend investing and starting to get used to parchment paper. Parchment paper, I didn't use it until I actually went to culinary school and was opened, my, my eyes were open to this whole experience. So I do use more parchment paper now than anything. I actually have a uh, silicone mats, um, which are completely silicone. So the same thing that parchment paper is coated on, these are just completely mats that are made from silicone. So they're reusable, but they're nonstick and they can take the heat. And I use it um, for my pastry items, but I also use it for go things going in the oven just, oven just because one, they're reusable, so it's great for the environment, but also nonstick, heat resistant, all the benefits that I want. Um, and it's cheaper for me. So you can get silicone mats on Amazon very easily. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Um, if you download my ebook, you should be able to find links for some of these items too. But if not, I will put it in the show notes, a link to kind of learn more about silicone mats. Um, but yes, definitely look into parchment paper at the minimum to get started. Um, foil, really, I only use it for wrapping items that I'm taking with me somewhere, like creating lids for like to-go items um, that I might have lost my Tupperware top for, or it's just like something oddly shaped, or I use it a lot to cover um, fruit and vegetables that I might have cut into already, but kind of want to cover the surface of it. I use it for those things, not necessarily for... Um, baking anymore. Um, but yeah, 
Moving right along. So now that we have our tray and we have it covered um, with a paper, we definitely want to go ahead and preheat our oven. So um, like I said in the cake episode, uh, anytime you're dealing with the oven or cooking something in the oven, that's going to be one of your first moves, your first steps, because it does take some time depending on your oven, how new or old it is. It can take a long time to get it to the temperature that you need it on. So you definitely want to start off by preheating it. So check to make sure nothing, of course, is already in the oven. Um, but we're going to set the oven for today's purposes at 425 degrees Fahrenheit. It's 425 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, now, if you want to roast or cook something, so you have something else in the oven, it's okay to do it at a lower temperature. Like I wouldn't go really lower than 350. Most things do cook at 350. Um, however, this will impact how long it takes to really get that roasted effect. Um, and it might affect the texture a little bit. Um, so when I'm roasting, I try to roast things that are like items together. Um, and I'll do that at 425. And then usually the things that I'm roasting in the oven, if those come out before something that might I might want to do at 350, after I take the roasted items out of the oven, I could always drop down the temperature thinking about if I'm doing a larger piece of meat or something. But not to get too much into the weeds, 425, keep it simple, put on the oven. Now next, we're going to talk about kind of roasting itself. So we want to know what we're roasting. Um, at this point. So are we going to roast um, vegetables or meat or anything? So really you want to have a separate tray based on like items, especially when you're getting started. When you get a little bit more advanced, you might want to just use one tray and maybe add new pieces or new types of things as it goes on because everything's based on cooking time. Um, but to get started, I would definitely recommend keeping like items together. So things that can go together are say root vegetables. So I like roasting potatoes potatoes and carrots together because uh, they're both root vegetables. They both have a similar texture to where if I cut them to similar sizes, they're going to bake at the same time or around the same rate to where I don't have one piece of something that's overcooked and the rest of it is undercooked. And then, you know, it's kind of this unbalanced kind of plate. Um, another thing that can kind of go together uh, are broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. All of those are in the same uh, family. Um, so as long as they're around the same size, uh, those can be roasted very well together. Um, anything that's like a longer vegetable, uh, like asparagus, green beans, you can roast those together as well. Um, and you're going to put them on the same tray together, but uh, you definitely want to keep them around the same size. Um, and then lastly, you can even do meats, like small pieces of chicken or um, even legs. You can um, bake in the oven a little bit, similar to a baking process for chicken. Um, but really how you, know, you want to tell as you're uh, preparing everything, which we'll get into next, is that the point here is making sure that the texture is very similar, um, the size is very similar. So when you start preparing it, if you're not buying pre-cut uh, vegetables, which most grocery stores sell where they're already around the same size, think of like butternut squash is usually already cubed up for you nicely. Um, and I get that all the time. That goes well with potatoes as well or carrots. Um, 
one thing I do, I typically cut everything to about that size. So about between one and two inches I'm looking for, or if you're looking at your index finger, um, you can cut your pieces uh, anywhere from the tip of your finger to between your first and your second knuckle. Um, anywhere in there is usually a safe place. That way it's not too, too small to where everything is burning in the oven, but it's not too big to where you're eating it and it's just a, a mouthful to say the least. Um, that's usually my go-to size, uh, like I said, one to two inches. Now, we haven't really talked about knife safety a lot and that'll probably be a whole other episode because it's so important. Um, but you can right now, if you wanna know more about knife safety, um, you can download my ebook for food handling tips um, in the show notes right now where I kind of break down everything you need to know about taking care of knives, learning if your knife is sharp enough, knowing how to sharpen knives if they're not sharp enough, um, and kind of have an easier time. But really what I want to say here is that you should not, if you're cutting down a vegetable, have a tough time getting your knife through it. The more struggle that you have in it, the more likely it is that you're going to have an accident, that you might accidentally cut yourself, hurt yourself, or just frustrate yourself. So definitely want a sharper knife and you want to protect your fingers, watch your fingers, go slow at all times. Um, if you're having an item that's kind of a weird shape, say you're working with a large like squash or something, you really want to get ambitious and tackle something like that. Um, if you don't have like a balanced surface to kind of hold the item down, you can go ahead and trim off one of the sides um, to create kind of a flat surface to balance the item on so that you can go ahead and cut it into more manageable chunks. Um, but again, the goal is to get it down to sizes of pieces that are about, you know, between one and two inches. Um, and again, they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be identical, just roughly the same size. It's okay if you have some ends that are a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, or not perfect squares. We're not going for perfection here. They're all going to get roasted down and look beautiful regardless. So once you get your items down to all relatively the same sizes and, um, you know, when you're working with longer vegetables, think of asparagus um, or anything, you want to cut off any ends that you don't want to eat um, and, you know, make sure you wash everything, of course, um, very nicely. Uh, oh, when you wash your items, definitely always want to wash your vegetables and fruits. I think I mentioned this in another episode, but I just, every time I think about it, I want to remind you that when we get fruits and produce from the grocery store, um, typically, especially in America, there's a wax coating that comes on it. So you want to run it under some warm water um, for about 10 seconds just to make sure that they're clean. So any vegetable that you get from the grocery store, go ahead and wash it off. So that's you have your washed vegetables and that have been cut down to size. Um, we can continue with the preparing. So um, First things first, with roasting anything, oil is going to be your number one friend. So I typically use a canola oil, but um, vegetable oil is okay. Olive oil is beautiful and works really well. Um, when you're roasting, it doesn't have as big of an impact. Now, in our later episodes, when we're talking about frying, 
oil is going to be a little bit more particular about what you're using. But for these purposes, you can use those types of oils. But like I said, if you want me to kind of give you my recommendation, I like olive oil, but canola oil is usually what I have the most of. Um, so you want to coat everything very generously. Make sure it's full fully coated. Um, you, I usually just use my hands and kind of roll it around in a bowl together to make sure everything is nicely coated in oil. This is what's going to help allow it to crisp up nicely on the outside, but without the inside getting really dry or completely dry. Once everything's coated, you can go ahead and lay it out on your tray and you're going to coat it with your seasoning. So I usually start with the basic salt and pepper. Salt helps bring out the flavors of everything, just like we saw our water um, when we're making pastas and rice. We want to go ahead and lightly just, you know, sprinkle some salt across everything. Um, and then I like pe pepper as well. So I'll usually follow behind it with a light coating, light dusting of um, pepper. Go slow, go light on any of the seasonings that you're going to be using because you can always taste it and add more later, but you cannot, it's harder to take seasonings off once you've added too much. So be careful, go slow. I also usually test um, kind of the flow of what I'm using kind of on my counter or away from the food. So you can start even from the corner of your tray just to get a good handle of how much you're shaking, how much is coming out. So that way you're not surprised by an overflow and it's not directly over your food. Um, there's so many times where like the cap falls off, things happen. So you wanna start kind of the movement of shaking it um, you know, away from your food. And I usually kind of just use my wrist to kind of lightly go over the coating of my food. Um, I also always use with my seasonings, the smaller holes end of the seasoning container instead of the larger end. Again, this helps prevent me from doing too much seasoning on a lot of things, especially when you're starting off, go light because you could always add more later. Um, then you want to spread out all your nicely coated seasoned items on your tray. So you want to do this in a single layer so that nothing is on top of each other, but you want to spread them out to where there's some space between each item to breathe. You want to give them space where they're not directly touching each other so that they can, this is where they're going to get browned on the edges. Anywhere they're touching, they're not going to get browned. Um, so give them all enough space. If you find that your tray is too small, you might need to move it to another tray or do rounds where you kind of, uh, roast one batch and then do a second batch once that comes out of the oven. Um, but yes, you want a single layer of everything and you want to have enough space where the items are not touching in the oven. And then now it's time to bake. So once your oven has told you that uh, in the way it does, maybe it's the light goes off or it dings to let you know that it has been preheated, um, you can go ahead and pop your trays in the oven. Now, most things um, are going to take between uh, 15 and 30 minutes to roast in the oven if you're at 425. Um, but really, depending on how big you cut your pieces, depending on what you're actually roasting, that's going to vary. So I'm not going to give you a direct specific time, but I'm going to tell you what to do and what to look for. So first, no matter what you're roasting, you want to really check it after every 10 minutes. I usually set a timer on my phone um, because that's always going to be with me. So if I walk out of the kitchen, I might not hear my oven timer. Plus my oven timer is really low and it only beeps once and my phone will remind me every couple of seconds if I snooze it. Um, I also name my reminders on my phone so that I know what the reminder was for. 
Um, but go ahead and set a timer for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, you want to check to see what it looks like, but also you want to flip over all of your items. So after 10 minutes, you can use a fork, your spatula, tongs, whatever you have that can help get it off of uh, the paper to flip it, you can use it. And again, this is where that parchment paper is going to come in handy because if you're working on foil, it's going to be a little bit tougher for this part to where um, you'll probably want to use uh, a fork versus just a spatula. Whereas if you're using parchment paper, you can, you know, use more items to where you're not struggling to get it up off of the paper to flip it. If you're finding that it's taking a long time or it's a little bit hard or you don't have a right angle to kind of open the door of the oven and kind of bend in and flip it really quickly, all of your items, um, go ahead and take the whole tray out of the oven, put it on the stovetop, close the door of the oven just to be safe, guys, because now we're working with a hot oven that can burn you. The trays can burn you. Uh, any oils that is pulled can burn you. So we got to be safe, guys. So it's all right for the couple of minutes that you're flipping these items to put it on the top of the stove um, to put it back in the oven. You also want to keep the door closed for the most part because you don't want all that hot air that got into the oven that's preheated to leave the oven and escape the oven. So um, if you find yourself just taking a long time or it's a weird angle or you don't feel kind of confident in being able to do it in the oven, just open the door and kind of pull the tray out that way. Um, it's totally okay. Don't feel like you need to be a master chef. Uh, put it on top of the oven and flip it that way. That's the safest way to do it. Um, but you want to move as quickly as possible, of course, because you don't want to start to hinder that cooking process. Once you've kind of flipped everything over, you could put it back into the oven for another 10 minutes and you're going to repeat this process until it's done. So how do you know it's done? You'll know that you're done roasting when, number one, everything is cooked. So it's tender. So you can stick a fork, especially in your root vegetables, you can stick a fork in it easily um, or a knife or, you know, cut into it very easily. But most importantly, with roasting, you want to know that the edges are crispy and that they're starting to get not only brown, but even a little bit charred to where almost just the very tips of it are starting to get very dark. Um, and then you also want that kind of charred edge look to happen evenly. So if you realize that, and this happens a lot when I do Brussels sprouts, is it'll get a nice color, a good roasting on uh, one side of it. And I typically cut my Brussels sprouts in half. Um, so like the flat half of it, because the Brussels sprout is round, the flat half will probably be on face down on the bottom of the tray. And that side usually gets browned first. Um, so I'll find that that is usually perfect, but then I still won't take it out the oven at that point. I'll still flip it one more time to where that back part of it, the kind of more rounded part can get a little bit of a charring as well. Um, so I'll keep it in for a, a couple more minutes, um, but I'll do it 10 minutes at a time. You'll be safe. The items won't burn. Um, if you're worried about them getting too dark, or if you think you're pushing the envelope with another 10 minutes, then just do it every five minutes. But for the most part, 10 minutes at a time should be fine and you will not burn it. 
Um, after that, after, like I said, you have an even kind of charring on the edges. Um, it looks crispy. It looks good. And they're done to the fork. Um, you can go ahead and take it out of the oven and let it cool down completely. And then go ahead one last time, get your spatula or whatever you're using to kind of get them unstuck from the pan. And you can transfer it now at this point to a bowl or something that you'll actually want to present it in or store it in. Um, Paper itself is going to look terrible at this point, so you're not going to want to present that, especially if you're serving it to others, um, but it'll look beautiful once it's in a nicer bowl um, and presented well. Um, but the good thing is with parchment paper or even foil, it's an easy cleanup. You can just you know throw it away. Um, it's made to be reusable. But those are the, kind of the basics of roasting. I hope I didn't go too fast, guys. Definitely message me um, or email me or DM me on uh, Instagram. So my email is info, I-N-F-O at evelyncook.com. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-C-O-O-K-E.com, info at evelyncook.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at underscore Ev Cooks, that's underscore E-V-C-O-O-K-S, um, to send me any questions or if, you know, something didn't make sense here. But just to, again, to go from the top, um, when we're getting started, we want to make sure that we have a baking tray that is safe to bake in the oven that is at least a half inch to an inch uh, deep to collect any pulled oils. Um, we want to use parchment paper so that it doesn't stick to our items and that way we're not contaminating our food with any interesting coatings that are on other types of papers. We're going to preheat our oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and then we're going to select whatever items we're going to be roasting to go with like items. So if we're roasting potatoes, we're going to roast that with, you know, maybe carrots or just by itself, but we're going to roast like items together. Um, then we're going to cut down those items into smallish pieces, make sure that they're all um, the same size. I usually go for between one and two inches, again, between the tip of my finger and between that first and second knuckle, somewhere right in there is a sweet spot. Um, they don't have to be perfect. But then all your items, once they're cut down to the same kind of cubed size, um, then I'm going to cover everything in oil and we're going to add our seasonings. Um, go lightly because, again, we can always add more seasonings later. And then uh, we're going to spread it out on the tray in a nice single even layer, giving them space to breathe and bake them for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes, checking them every 30 minutes and uh, every 10 minutes, rather, excuse me, um, and also flipping them over every 10 minutes. So um, we're going to cook that until it's done, until we see nice, crispy, charred edges. Um, and it's going to be beautiful, guys. And that's how you make roasted vegetables. Um, hope this was helpful. And this actually, you know, slightly related, but I thought today's kitchen word of the day would be fun if we went with something that kind of fit into the episode. Um, but it's a pastry word, uh, petty for. So petty for is spelled P-E-T-I-T-F-O-U-R. Um, and it's something that's used across the culinary world, but definitely in pastry. And this means small oven. So like we've been talking about today, it's uh, definitely, you know, we're using the oven today. So I thought it would be cute to go with a petty for. So what a petty for is, is a bite-sized dish that is 
either sweet or savory. But the goal here is that it's something that is eaten in one or two bites. So um, very small when you think about it, but it usually packs a lot of flavor. Um, and I love them personally. Um, if you've ever been to a, like a really fancy event, um, you'll see them where like before the event starts, they might be passing around these kind of hors d'oeuvres where um, it might be a single meatball that's on a toothpick or um, just a very small cookie um, where, you know, it, like I said, you just eat it in one bite, pop it in your mouth. Those are petty fours um, and very fancy. So now you guys can go forth and, you know, be very fancy when you're talking to your friends about the fabulous petty fours that you've had over the weekend. Um, but yeah, so that's the word of the day, guys. Um, use it at your leisure. And today's song of the day for our kitchen cooking, cleaning, and playlist is one that was reminded from one of my friends. Um, this hit, uh, Bad Girl by Usher. And it's definitely like a crowd pleaser type of song. It's a clubby type of song, one of Usher's greatest. Um, but it definitely gets me moving, gets me dancing. And that is what it's all about, guys. Have fun in the kitchen. I want you guys to smile to dance, to move, to not think of this as a chore or a stressful situation. Um, whatever you make, I'm sure it's going to be great. If not, just throw it out and, you know, try it again later. But um, just don't just don't get too stressed out, guys. Um, it's a learning process. All of this is learning and it takes practice. Um, so if you want to download the entire Kitchen Cooking and Cleaning playlist to be able to get in the right mindset, the right mood, um, when you're cooking, go ahead and hit the link in the show notes where you can download that for Spotify. Um, also, any links to the other things that I've included in the episode, whether it be our kitchen cooking, our kitchen checklist, which has the top 16 items that are must-have items to have in your kitchen. Again, this list is not exhaustive for everything that I think you should have in your kitchen, but it's the first 16 items that you should start off with to be able to make virtually anything that I'm going to be talking about over the course of this podcast. So definitely download that now. Um, you'll also get the link to download my ebook where, again, I'll talk about some of those knife handling tips. There's pictures in there. It'll also talk about sharpening your knives, testing if they're they're sharp enough, um, which is great uh, for safety purposes, but just for general knowledge. So you can go ahead and click the show notes to be able to download my free ebook. It's free, guys. Uh, so take advantage. You can download that today from my website. Um, but guys, thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this episode or past episodes, be sure to subscribe or follow me on the podcasting platform that you're listening to. If you are on Apple Podcasts or have access to Apple Podcasts, please, please, please leave a review and a rating. I would love a five-star rating, but definitely those worded reviews are so important to be able to help me reach other people. I really do feel like I'm helping out in the world by sharing this information because, you know, I see so many memes or so many videos going viral. I just saw one the other day where a guy was washing meat with like actual dish soap. And as funny as the comments were, as, you know, much as people were laughing, it was really sad because, People are being so critical of him, but there's just so many people in the world that are in his 
that are in his same exact boat that don't know the first thing about being in the kitchen and for whatever reason have not up until that point had someone there in their life to teach them those things and have the patience to go through this with them. So I am helping to even the playing field here. So the more I can reach uh, through this podcast people, the better I think everybody will be. So help me by leaving a review today, leaving a rating, feel free to support. Um, I do have that up there to make a donation if you would like, definitely no pressure. Um, But yes, those ratings and reviews go a long way, guys. So thank you for getting to this part of the episode. You get five gold stars for adulting today. Thank you for making the decision to kind of better your own knowledge and skill set in the kitchen. I hope that this has been helpful, Um, but I will see you guys next week.